All right, we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 10 this evening. And, and uh, verse number uh, uh, 46, we'll uh, pick up reading in, uh, in, in Mark 10, 46. And the Bible says, And they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was, that it was was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And he charged him that he should hold his peace. And many charged him that, that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of comfort, be of comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, come before you uh, this evening. and Lord, we uh, uh, just want to tell you we appreciate you and... Um, are thankful for what you've done for each of us individually and thank you for salvation that's free and uh, Lord that uh, you'd uh, paid our debt of sin on Calvary's cross and it's because of that sacrifice and that blood that we come before you tonight before the throne of grace and uh, God we just pray that um, uh, you'd meet with us now and uh, Lord that you'd uh, meet with your people and uh, Lord we desire to be better and desire to be sanctified more fully and uh, Lord, desire that uh, you'd show up in a mighty way. And uh, Lord, we uh, uh, hear a lot of voices today and uh, everybody around, and, but Lord, we need to hear from you. And uh, God, may uh, we be in tune with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that uh, you'd hide me behind the cross and cleanse my mind and heart of the, with the blood of Christ. And Lord, that I could be better for you and Lord, be a help to your people tonight. Uh, we do uh, just thank you again for the Word of God and the instruction you give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, hold your place there, and we're going to also look at a, pass- a, com- a companion passage, a- another passage in Matthew chapter 20. And uh, in Matthew chapter 20, and uh, verse number 29. Now, in, that last, in the last one it says, And they came to Jericho. And it mentions specifically blind Bartimaeus, one person. And uh, verse number 29 in Matthew chapter 20, it says, And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. He says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. So you've got one passage in Mark that says uh, they came to Jericho, and they de- uh, Jesus dealt with these blind men, and another one that says they came, they uh, they departed from Jericho, and so you've got a world of people today in Christianity that would tell you there's a contradiction in the Word of God. If there's a contradiction in in the Word of God, that this is one of the common ones that they'd take you to. And so uh, that's from two, that's people that sit behind a desk with an unbelieving heart that don't get out and really spend a lot of time thinking. Uh, they uh, there's there's rec- uh, in the 1900s there was actually a, um, uh, a researcher that uh, realized that the uh, there was both a Jewish and Roman Jericho right next to each other. 
And so uh, on top of that, uh, Jericho even could have been irregular shaped. I know um, we have family in Indiana, and if we drive from here to Indiana, there's a, a stretch of road that you would go Kentucky to Indiana to Ohio and back to Indiana in about 10 miles. And you're going on the same direction. And so uh, there's no contradiction in the Word of God. It's just different accounts. Uh, one, one account in Matthew specifically uh, covers the two blind men, whereas in Mark, uh, he zeroes in on one specific one in Bartimaeus. And, uh, and the, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Uh, it, you, in the court of law, you have to have uh, multiple witnesses because one particular witness may actually be able to pick up on a particular uh, 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 part of a, uh, an event that somebody else may not. And collectively, you get one whole picture. So there's no contradiction. They complement one another. Uh, so if somebody tries to tell you there's a contradiction in the Word of God, uh, that's not true. Uh, there, uh, the one uh, complements the other one. And so uh, back in, in Mark chapter number 10, uh, we're going to look at a few things and, and just uh, draw some conclusions from the passage and uh, that, that helped me. In uh, Mark chapter uh, number 10, and uh, uh, the, I want you to consider the circumstances of the situation. So you've got uh, uh, the passage where uh, Jesus Christ is coming into town and it says multitudes had followed him. And many that followed him, the great number of people. Uh, and you've got blind Bartimaeus sitting by the highway side begging and he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I, I'm obviously not blind, but uh, I wouldn't know what it would be like firsthand to be handicapped in that way. But uh, everything that, uh, uh, that I've, I've heard from people that would say that they've, they've talked to blind people, they, they would say that they, they compensate a little bit with their other senses. In other words, a blind person may be able to hear things because they rely on their hearing more than you and I may because we, we also use our vision. And so here's a blind man that had heard uh, about uh, Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, if, knowing uh, people in, in the situation that uh, uh, no doubt that Jesus had, uh, uh, the story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth had, uh, had passed by this blind man uh, that was on the wayside begging. This wasn't the first blind man that Jesus had ever healed. And so Jesus had healed blind people and, and, and uh, raised the dead and, and did great things for other people. <coughs> and you've got here where Jesus um, is coming by this blind man and, uh, and he knew that uh, he had healed other people. And so no doubt when this man was by the wayside begging that it probably perked his attention up a little bit that he had heard Jesus of Nazareth is coming by my way today. Yeah, I think it probably had uh, caught his attention a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting in the passage that uh, this blind man uh, heard Jesus of Nazareth, but he turns and he says, uh, Thou son of David. He recognized Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Now, isn't that amazing that some blind beggar that was by the wayside begging for food that had no sight, never seen anything in his life, was able to see that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the Son of David, that the educated and religious people were blind to. God, God, will, uh, God will show you some things. You know, um, I think it's uh, interesting that 
he believed in him enough to ask him for something he had never been given. You know, um, he had never seen anything. You know, he had never laid eyes on the sunrise. He had never seen the smoky mountains. He had never seen the, the dew on the flowers in the morning and springtime. And Jesus Christ came by and, you know, he wouldn't have asked him to give him the, the, his sight if he didn't think he could give it to him. So obviously this blind man believed in Jesus Christ, believed he was a Messiah enough to believe in, uh, and call and ask for him to give him something he had never had. You know, that took some kind of faith. <laughs> you know, I, I also think it's in, interesting that uh, he cries out the first time and Jesus apparently keeps going. He doesn't respond the first time. You know, there's one time where Jesus tells the disciples, he says, get in the ship, go to the other side of the boat. And, uh, and I, I believe it's in, in the Gospel of Mark. And they get in the ship and the storm comes, right? You know the story. And uh, they, they, get, they get panicked. And, uh, and then here comes Jesus uh, walking on the water. And they see him walking on the water going past him. And specifically, it says in the passage, it says, and he would have passed by them. You know what that tells me about the Lord is the Lord wants to be welcomed. Amen. He wants to be welcomed. The Lord isn't going to twist anybody's arm. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to twist my arm. Notice in Revelation, it says, he's, he, beho- he says, I behold, or behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right? The Lord wants to be invited. He wants to be welcomed. You know what we need to do is we need to welcome him in our service. We need to exalt the things that exalt Jesus Christ. We need to have the right kind of music that he feels comfortable with. You say, well, I don't like that kind of music. Well, are we here to worship you or me? <laughs> are we here to worship this thing? You know what the Lord's looking for? He says he's looking for those to worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, he, you know why? Because that's what he feels welcomed by. You know, that, that's what the Lord is going to be honored by. He's going to say, hey, there's some folks there that believe my word enough to stick by the stuff and, and do what's right by, because my word says so. And I'm going to feel welcome around that. You know, the, uh, <coughs> this blind man had asked for something he had never been given and he had never experienced. You know, I want you to look at Mark chapter 10 and verse number 49 specifically. He says, And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called, and they call the blind man. I want you to notice the command of the Savior. You know, the Lord, the first time, he, he didn't respond to him, and the second time, he, he responds to him. You know, I, what I think the Lord's looking for is I think the Lord's looking for somebody that means business, somebody that's sincere, that somebody that really genuinely wants him around. Do you want him around? Do you want him around when you make the decisions in your household? Do you want him around when you make the decisions where you go to school? That Do you want him around in your job? Do you want him around in your relationships with your spouses or how you raise your children. I do. I do. I want them around. And I believe you do too. You wouldn't be here. But, you know, I, I think it's of, worthy of note that the Lord's just looking for somebody that, that, that is sincere and wants him around. And you know what he does is 
the God of the universe no doubt heard him the first time and he doesn't respond the first time. But the second time, it says he commanded him to be called. You know, I think that's interesting because he could have said, come here, right? <laughs> the Lord, Lord could have said, hey, why don't you, you walk over here and I want to talk to you. But he didn't. Specifically, he tells him, I want somebody, one of you to go and tell him to come here. And you know what that's a picture of, right? That's a picture of my job and your job. Our job is to go get them and to bring them to the Savior. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. That's your job. And that's my job. You know, the, the, the whole, the, the, we just came out of missions conference. The missions conference idea is not some Baptist idea. It's a Bible idea. It's a Christian idea. And this is a principle that, that Jesus Christ has laid out and it gave us, it gave us an example for. Are you going to follow it? Many today are not. <laughs> you know, n- notice Jesus didn't say, all right, let's put on a rock concert so we can bring a crowd in. <laughs> he didn't do that. You know what he did is he was passing by and he was looking for somebody that's looking for him. Waiting for somebody to call out to him. He's not going to twist their arm. You know what I, I also find interesting is he doesn't say, he, he's got his disciples with him. And one thing he doesn't say is he doesn't say, all right, Peter, James, John, go get that man, that blind man. He just generally says, go get him. You know, all of them probably heard what he said. Probably all of them did. But you know what I think is interesting is that only some of them or one of them had responded to what he had called. You know, there's a lot of Christians today that just for the sake of the crowd around and the outside noise that just overpowers the voice of Jesus Christ, you don't hear the call of God to go bring that blind man to Jesus Christ. You know, that's most Christians today. I don't want to be part of that. Listen, I want to be so close to Jesus Christ that if he whispered, go get him, that I'd want to go do it. You know, the truth is, is I fail. (laughs) You know, sometimes he speaks louder than others, and I just don't do it. You say, well, you're a preacher. Well, (laughs) hasn't he told you to go witness to somebody and you didn't? (laughs) You know, I've got regrets today that I, I believe at the judgment seat of Christ I'm going to have to answer for because I knew I should have done something. and didn't so listen i'm not i'm not preaching uh i'm preaching it myself just as much as you this is a reminder for me that listen we need to be close to jesus christ and not let the the noise of the crowd deafen our ears to the call of jesus christ enough that we would respond and fight through the crowd to obey his command to go get the blind that's our job that's our job i want you to notice in verse number 50 and the same chapter, I want you to see the conversion of the sinner. In verse 50, it says, And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. I like that. I like that. The Bible says our, 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 uh, our, uh, the, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God. 
And you know, I, I remember the day that I got saved, all the things that God that I dealt with in my life. Uh, you know what the amazing thing is? Not one of us can say, uh, I, my garments were pretty clean when I came to the Lord. Uh, we, can all stand, we can all be here tonight and say every one of us were covered in the rags of our own self-righteousness and covered in our own sin. And then one day Jesus came by your way and he knocked on your heart's door and you said, hey, Lord, uh, Jesus, have mercy on me. And then he started dealing with your heart and, and then you took away that garment. And, and that's because of Jesus Christ. Listen, he, did, he never got rid of that garment until Jesus called for him. You're not going to clean up your life and then come to God. <laughs> he's going to work on you. And he's going to work on me. You know, as somewhat heavy to believe as not true, he didn't give him his sight first <laughs> and ask, what can I do for you? <laughs> he said, he, he came to him and he called for him. And then he said, what can I do for you? He didn't give him his sight first. Conversion of the sinner. Lastly, I want you to notice in Matthew chapter 20, in uh, verse number 34, in verse uh, 33, says, They said unto him, Lord, that our eyes might be open, may be open. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. You know, we covered the circumstances of the situation and the command of the Savior and the conversion of the sinner. Now I want you to notice, lastly, the companionship and service. You know, he says, they followed him. You know, when a lot of times it, it feels lonely in the Christian life. A lot of young people especially feel lonely in the Christian life. Why? Because the tug of the world is so strong on them. The pressures of the world is so strong on them to go the way of the world. And, you know, sometimes they, they feel like the outcast because uh, they want to do right in their heart. They want to do right, but it's uncomfortable to stand outside of the world and say, I, I can't be a part of that. That's not right. And that's uncomfortable. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're, uh, I remember when I was lost, and if you're saved, you can too, that it was about the most lonely feeling and the lo most lonely place I was around all my friends and family and just felt alone in the world. Why? Because I didn't know the Lord. You know, I, I, I think that God wants us to be in a spot sometimes where it's just us and Him. You know, I, I think Jeremiah probably felt alone in the world until God sent uh, uh, Ebed and pulled him out of the pit, out of the dungeon. I bet Paul felt alone in prison and God sent him Silas. I bet Paul probably felt alone when he was blinded and God sent servants and walked him by the hand where he was to be. I bet Noah felt alone until God was with him and shut the door on the ark. I bet David felt alone when he was in the cave running from Saul and God said, here, I'm going to send you some guys to help you along the way. You know what, God, uh, God doesn't leave us alone. Even if you may feel alone and maybe nobody else stands with you, Jesus Christ is with you. You know, John the Baptist probably felt alone. I mean, my goodness, he's out preaching, uh, eating locusts and wild honey. Who wants to be around that guy? <laughs> and you know what he was doing is he was preaching the kingdom of God is coming. And guess who shows up in the middle of his sermon? Jesus Christ. 
You know what, that's what, I want to be like that. You know what I'd like to do is I'd just like Jesus Christ to show up in the middle of my preaching, wouldn't you, Mike? Yeah. And you know what, I, I'd, I wish he would. <laughs> and you know what, when, I, when the Lord took me from that pit of sin and loneliness and, and then he's given me a, a church family and folks that, that I care about and care about me, you know, it, it's not, uh, you're not alone, <laughs> You know, it said they followed him. And that's what we're here doing tonight, trying to follow Jesus Christ together. You know, that's real companionship. If you want to have a real friend, you find one that's following Jesus Christ. And you'll find somebody, you'll find somebody. You know what, I want to finish with this, that if you were to go into the next chapter and mark... Right, uh, the the next passage in in Mark chapter number eleven, how serious the Lord is about this stuff, and our job to win the lost, and our job to spread the gospel. In Mark chapter number eleven, Jesus Christ, right after he leaves Jericho, the cursed city in the Old Testament called, and then uh, Jesus Christ is coming into Jerusalem right after the passage. You know where he heads as he goes to the Mount of Olives. Now you know what that's a picture of. That's, that's a picture of Jesus Christ coming back. And you know what? Somewhere along the way, Jesus Christ, when he was right about to come back to Jerusalem and riding that, that uh, colt, the foal of an ass, and it's a picture of Jesus Christ's second coming, and then right after that, he cleanses the temple, picture of the second advent. Right before the, the scripture records a blind man that Jesus Christ took time to give sight to. You know, that's our job. <laughs> that's your, your job and my job today, to bring sight to the blind. You know, the lost are blind. You say, you say, well, why do the lost do this and why do they do that? Well, quit thinking like Fox News wants you to think and start thinking like the Bible. Lost people do the things that they do because they're blind. You know, when, I, you and I go to, when you and I go to witness to somebody to give them the gospel, do you realize that's impossible? You're asking a blind person to see something. That's what you're asking. Impossible. But of course, nothing's impossible with God. And the Lord does all the work. It's our job to open our mouth. Why? So that some blind man can realize that Jesus Christ is passing by my way today and I need to respond to it. And he, listen, that blind man, the Bible doesn't say it, but I bet you that blind man was screaming Jesus Christ to get his attention. You say, why? Because he had tried everything else, and he came and realized that nothing's going to help me. And, and listen, if you sat by the wayside your whole life and had never seen anything, and there was just a sliver of hope that you might be able to get your sight, and that you had heard that Jesus Christ had given sight to somebody else, Listen, you'd be, you'd be, you wouldn't even care about what anybody else thought. You would not care. You'd be screaming, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and then trying to get his attention. You say, why do you think he, he screamed that? Because he didn't know how far away he had gotten. There was a whole multitude, a whole crowd of people. Listen, he wasn't ashamed. He thought, listen, if I'm ever going to get my sight, it's going to be today. You know what? That's how you get saved. You know, the Lord comes by your way and waits on you to respond to him. You know what? That's our job is give out the gospel. You think everybody's going to respond to it? No, they're not going to. A lot of times that 
could be a number of problems. could be just the Christians aren't close enough to Jesus Christ to hear that call to go get that blind man because we're letting the crowd that makes too much noise overshadow that still small voice. Is that where you're at tonight? If God were to call you and say, hey, I want you to go talk to that person, would you even hear it? And if you did, would you go through the effort to fight through the crowd and try to get the lost to that lost person, that blind person that might be crying out to Jesus Christ, but you never heard his voice or you never cared enough to fight through the crowd to bring it to him? I'm preaching myself on this, folks, but I pray it's a challenge to you. Help us to be conscious of the lost, the blind, without the gospel. Preacher. Sure.